Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mirror, Alberta. You might remember me from uh, films like Train Ing Day with Carrie Lambert or I Choo Choo Choose Freedom with most of Alberta. Um, tonight is a kind of a interesting show that I wanted to do. And the reason I wanted to do it is because, uh, I don't know about you, but lately I've been seeing a lot of, um, I don't know, what would you call it? Articles or hit pieces uh, on certain people, myself included. And I find that I'm even guilty of, um, just believing things when I read them right away without getting the information right from the horse's mouth. And I think it's really dangerous that this is happening because next year we're faced, or no, it's this year. Wow, it's already this year. In a few months, we're faced with a very important election in, here in Alberta. And uh, I think we really have to have our wits about us and we have to know what's real and know what's not real and make informed decisions on uh, how we move forward as a province. So, you know, I'm not going to get into who to vote for and that kind of thing tonight or what political parties I, I prefer. Um, but what I wanted to do is have a chat with uh, someone who you may know. His name is David Parker. Uh, about some of the some of these things that have been happening and what it means for Albertans and uh, what we should be doing to make sure that we're making the, the right decisions and putting our, our, our faith in the right information. So that's kind of the goal tonight. So, David, welcome back. Hey, Chris. Thanks for uh, having me. I appreciate it. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a couple of months. We've been both running around doing various different things, but I know I've been paying attention to what you've been doing, and it uh, sounds like people have been paying attention to what I'm doing, and they're out there talking about it anyway. So I think we're both trying to do our part, but I wanted to... Uh, to thank you again for standing up for our freedoms as you have over the last three years now. Um, I know that I was inspired by what you were doing very early on. I've been to see you. We haven't always seen eye to eye politically, but I think we've always respected each other. So thanks for having me on. My pleasure. And thanks for, for doing what you're doing as well. I know, uh, you know, it's, it's not always easy. Um, not everybody understands, not everybody agrees. And sometimes you find yourself, uh, on the receiving end of a barrage of criticisms and memes. And, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, you just feel like you've been hit by a train, but, but, you, get, <laughs> but you get through it. And, and sometimes you, you do get hit by a train and you get through it. <laughs> sometimes you do get hit by a train. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. hug your loved ones. Cause you never know, but uh, that's a story for another day, I guess. So during the time it's taken you to grow a full beard. Uh, what have you been up to? Well, so we had a very interesting year last year, as everyone knows. We we had that leadership review, uh, Take Back Alberta, toured the province, uh, educating people on an opportunity to have their voices heard when it came to Jason Kenney. And, and we were so successful at that that he then cheated and canceled the vote. I think everyone's aware of that. And we had a mail-in ballot uh, somehow through the efforts of thousands of people. And this part I... I wasn't nearly as engaged in as the, the part before it, but 16,690 people got in their ballot saying they didn't want Jason Kenney to be the leader anymore. That resulted in a 51.4%, 51.5, I think, percent uh, for him in the leadership review. No one's ever survived such a low, uh, a low result. So he ended up having to resign. And then there was a leadership race. And uh, I went around mostly saying that whoever becomes leader is less important than us getting involved, but that we should vote for a freedom candidate, either Todd Lowen or Danielle Smith. Danielle Smith won, but we also, knowing that we can't just count on politicians to save us, uh, we worked very hard to run a slate of candidates for the United Conservative Party board, because that board is the, the board that governs the party that governs the province. So it was our best opportunity to have as much impact as possible. So people showed up. Uh, we actually won every single seat uh, on the board of those that were open and running. And then since then, I've been kind of um, spending a lot of time going into data uh, on voting trends in Calgary and all of Alberta, on uh, demographics in those ridings, 
And then I put together what I think is a pretty good plan to beat the NDP. And now I'm traveling the province trying to do 100 meetings uh, before the end of uh, March. Originally, it was before March 7th, but I realized I was slightly ambitious in my ability to get meetings done. Uh, so we're trying to get 100 meetings done before then to just kind of explain the strategy of, of how to beat the NDP. So that's kind of what I've been up to pretty much nonstop. Although, of course, uh, you know, there's family events and things like that. And and I did uh, get to go uh, to Ontario to visit my girlfriend's family for Christmas for a week. So that was very enjoyable. Right on. Right on. That's good to hear. So, yeah, you, you've been a pretty busy guy. And I, I would say that what I saw happen around, um, you know, in, in order to unseat King Kenny, there was a lot of groups that just all at the same time were motivated and they were engaged and they just stepped up and they got things done and, you know, take back Alberta. They had a, uh, I would say a, a, an extremely critical role in getting people to understand how democracy works and, and why it's not just checking a ballot each, every four years. Um, there was other groups that were pressuring by pressuring our elected officials by, making sure people knew what they were doing, what they were standing for, who they were voting for, that kind of thing. And it was just this perfect storm that we haven't seen in Alberta in, well, for certainly since I've been here and I've lived in Alberta over 20 years, um, I don't recall ever hearing about anything like this happening in my lifetime. So at the end of the day, regardless of who agrees with who, when people get involved, and I remember you saying this one of the first times I met you, if you bring enough people, you'll win, right? If you bring enough freedom-minded people to the table, you will win and freedom will win. If you bring enough socialist-minded people to the table, they will win and socialism will win, right? So um, I, I think it's, uh, it's critically important that we continue to do that because unseating King Kenny, that was great and it made me feel pretty good because... I really didn't like what the guy was doing, but we have way bigger fish to fry uh, coming up in the next few years. Uh, and I, I would say a lot of it is at the hands of our federal government. I mean, we still we still have some provincial stuff to deal with, but if we're involved and engaged and we bring enough people, uh, we can win against any of this stuff. So there is hope, I would say. Absolutely. And I mean, it's kind of funny to use this as an example, but I will like, Look at the difference between Ontario and Alberta in terms of the elections, right? We had uh, King Kenny, as you said, got dethroned and there's a new leader in and they are running on ostensibly very similar values to what the freedom movement has kind of said that this is what we care about. But in Ontario, there was no freedom movement politically and Doug Ford won a huge majority government and everyone's like, how did that happen? Well, only 44% of Ontarians even voted in that election. So we're saying they, felt, less, they felt hopeless. They didn't care, right? They're yep. like, well, I don't want to support any of this. I know a lot of those people are freedom people. They were like, well, I can't vote for Doug Ford, but I can't vote for the NDP or the Liberals, so I'm just going to stay home. Now, imagine if we'd had a similar movement like you described, kind of a grassroots movement to punish Doug Ford for, for being one of the worst jurisdictions in the world, by the way literally one of the worst places in the world for lockdowns and mandates. And yet he wins a huge majority government. When people don't understand their system, they are going to feel hopeless. But I think we proved here in Alberta and you played a big role in that. I know you spoke at a bunch of take back Alberta events and many, many other events. You were all over the province. Like if people like you and myself were not going around explaining how the system worked to people, I don't think, I don't think we would see anything different except I do believe that people were mad enough at Kenny that we would have ensured an NDP government. It would have been a sure thing. So with all of the things that are going on, um, what I've started to see lately are people who, I don't know if they're pretending that they're kind of on our side or whatever, but I all of a sudden see these post circulating, you know, telegram stuff. I'm not on telegram, but people send it to me on text or whatever. And it describes people as government psyops. Um, they're, they're, I've been referred to as a crisis actor. 
one guy said, isn't it suspicious that I got a brand new building right before COVID and all this? <laughs> like it's completely unfounded, assumptive reasoning. And yet it's causing a lot of division. It's causing a lot of people to, like you said, feel hopeless. And, uh, you know, I've even heard people say, well, the whole freedom movement is a psyop. Um, one of the things that actually prompted me to reach out to you is, and we, I mentioned this before, uh, some people were making comments about another organization you're involved with, and that is um, Ditchley. Yeah. Out of the, is it, I, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I, no, I yeah, guess that is how, how you pronounce it. Ditchley. Okay. So they're out of the United States and the United Kingdom. Well, and Canada. So I'm on the Canadian board. So there's a Canadian board for Ditchley. Then there's an American board for Ditchley. And then there's a Ditchley board in the UK. And the Ditchley estate is, so there's a, and, and where the think tank basically think, that's the best way to think about it as a think tank, where they're headquartered is in the United Kingdom. So there's three, I'm on the Canadian one, but it's all, it was all about, it was established to build relationships between the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom during and it was founded uh to uh during the right after the world war when we were headed into the cold war period it was about establishing deeper ties between the countries um i can go into the history and stuff of it if you if you want but basically um the best way to think about it is imagine a gigantic book club right where you get together with other people that read the same books as you and you talk about issues that, that are happening in the world. So the first conference of this kind that I ever went to was uh, about a crisis in democracy that was occurring. And I was I, I went as a young delegate because I wanted to express the need for um, the people at this conference and in general to really take into account that there's a lot of people being left behind by globalism. Uh, and so my message was actually the, the first thing I said at the conference was how many uh, how many people here have been in a Walmart in the last year? And that reason I asked that question was because I wanted people to realize, hey, we don't understand how regular people think because we aren't regular people. Right. And I was saying you need to actually go and talk to the people that you're governing because uh, some of these people were government officials and things like that. And you need to understand what they care about, because that's what Trump is saying, right? Because I was defending what Trump was saying. And I was saying Trump is speaking to these people because he knows they've been left behind. And you're acting like we shouldn't care about that. And I thought that was wrong. So that was my first time getting engaged in Ditchley. And that's basically been my message every time I've attended any Ditchley conference. You can ask anyone at Ditchley. I'm kind of known as the right wing guy who's always bringing up populism. Uh, and populism is a bad word to globalists, but I like that word because in my mind, it means the people, right? It means that, that you're on the side of the people. So yeah, I mean, basically the organization for, uh, for those who don't know, is a organization that brings people together. Uh, it invites them. And then it has sometimes an hour long conversation about an issue where everyone's voice is heard and then they write up a summary of what was said and they will publish that they use chatham house rules which means they never accredit who said what so that people can speak freely but then they will still publish what was said and then um a summary of what was said and then sometimes they have larger conferences uh where they discuss bigger issues and those will be three days long but it's not like the world economic forum or the un or anything like that because it uh, it has no role with government there's no they don't claim that they control government they don't put people in government spots it's not about uh it's not about influence it's about dialogue and uh one of the things i've always liked about it to be honest is i go there and i argue with people who don't agree with me at all uh some of them are are real climate change activists i have one friend not friend i would say uh compatriot or some whatever you want to call it, someone who's attended a number of these conferences She's at Cambridge working very hard on climate change. And we argue all the time I because I don't believe the steps that uh, the global elite are taking on climate change are right. So I go there and I argue a lot. And uh, yeah, 
I like it. I like arguing. I'm a pretty disagreeable person. So um, <laughs> that's kind of one of the things that I, I enjoy. And, and I was involved in that. I think um, I started getting involved in that in 20, uh, 2019 is when I started. No, sorry, 20, 2018. So they would you say they're a fairly, as an organization, they're fairly left-leaning? I would say they're they're actually like the fact that they even allowed me to go there means that they'd be a little like centrist by by traditional standards. Um, but I would say that, uh, like, for example, uh, most of the municipal governments in our country have signed on to the U.N. development goals. Right. Does that mean everyone who works at a municipal government agrees with the U.N. development goals? No, it just means that it's become one of those things that you just say. Uh, but in my experience, they're actually pretty even keel. For example, uh, Peter Thiel, uh, he started uh, pal, uh, PayPal, things like that. He endorsed Trump when Trump was running in the first one and got lambasted by the media. He was at the most recent uh, event that, that Ditchley had debating for similar values that I share uh, about taking care of the people as opposed to just trying to be elites who are telling the people what to do. Uh, the word that's used is technocracy, right? So it's like the technical experts will make the decisions because they're the ones who know the issues. That's what's being pushed by a lot of uh, organizations. The EU is very big on this. The UN's big on it. World Economic Forum is big on it. Uh, Ditchley's not big on it, in my experience. Uh, they're much bigger on localism, uh, which is hearing what the people want from a specific location and then how do governments deal with that like how do they make sure that the people are getting the kind of government they want that, that's in my experience so i did a little bit of checking in just basically on the web page and and i did see that ditchley is uh, you know they mentioned how they want to strive to meet the um you know the un climate goals and blah blah all these you know these the i call them the the virtuous ideologies um, not the realistic ones, but the virtuous ones. And so I think what some people think is that because you're involved with an organization like that, that believes in sustainable development goals and those types of things, um, if people are interested, you can just go to their website. Um, I can't, do you remember what it is off the top of your head? I don't remember. It's just ditchly.com. www.ditchly.com. Check out the about yeah. us. Yeah. Um, you, you'll see what I'm talking about. They have, they have some of the, they have some kind of leftist climate uh, agenda goals on their page. Um, so people say that you are, you must be a government shill, a controlled psyop, a globalist, because you are with an organization that has those goals. And I read that and I'm inclined to not believe that because I've had the opportunity to talk to you face to face. And I know that you are against the anti-human globalist ideas that are being pushed through at the moment. I, I know you are. And I know that's one of the reasons why you've gotten as active as you have in, in the, in Alberta politics. Um, so I wanted to point something out. You mentioned that these are just things that people say almost. I think every municipal government in Alberta has those climate goals in it's enshrined in their, their whatever, somehow um, Walmart, Superstore, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, um, most of the, the big chain restaurants you go to, they are all signed on to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So you could argue if you're a Costco member or you shop at Walmart or you shop at Superstore or Loblaws or anything like that, that that means you're a globalist shill and you believe in these things. No, that's not the case. The case is, the world's been lied to. These big corporations have um, ceded to these lies because they believe it's in their political best interest. But it doesn't make the people that shop there globalists. So what, what would you say about that? Yeah, I think like I find this a little bit concerning. And, and I think uh, you've mentioned it before in conversations. But why are we allowing cancel culture into the right? Right? Like... If everybody, if, 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 our, if our new policy is unless you're uh, ideologically pure in every single thing that you do, you can't, you're, you're the enemy, then we are exactly like 
the woke social justice warriors that we're saying are bad, right? Like if, and if, for example, if the rule is going to be, you can't be associated with any organization that has said anything ever that we don't like, well, then we're never going to be able to take back our society. And that extends to politicians as well. Yeah, it, it extends to politicians. It's like if, 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 if the new way of, of being, and I understand why people are this way, like people have been traumatized. You uh, among the, the highest amount, right? Like the government has abused us. Our government has abused us. And so I don't blame people for being upset. And I don't blame people for for worrying, like, where are the enemies? Where are our friends? Because a lot of people believed the government was trying to take care of them. The government was their friend, right? Now, I never believed that. I, I was, like, always on the less government is better because government is bad. But a lot of people believed that. And now they don't. And so now they're worried. And so I don't I don't blame them. I'm not even mad that, pe that people are saying this about me in, in many ways because... I understand. I, I understand that there's a lot of fear out there. But what I would say is, if you're not willing to associate or talk to anyone who in any way is associated with this agenda that is being pushed or, or has like, like, and even like, if it becomes like cancel culture, if it becomes, oh, you, you're, you're, it's, it's exactly the same as, oh, you're a racist. Oh, you're a bigot, right? It, it, it's canceling a person because you're saying this is who they are. It's, it's making them smaller. And I think what we need to do as humans is treat each other as what we are, which is infinite beings, right? There's a lot more going on in each individual person than, than one ideology that they might hold. And I loved your example of Costco. Like Costco is, is totally globalist. There's no question. And I bet you most of your listeners shop there, right? It's the people like Costco. They like cheap and they like bulk. Where does this end? I don't know. I think well, on, on another note, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I think a, there's a large number of people who, wa who want to attack others who are doing things like yourself and I, because those attacks bring them attention and people are talking about them as well because they're attacked. I've seen that quite a bit lately. Right. Um, let's take, uh, for example, the independence party. And there are people in the independence party that are my good friends. I know there are people in the independence party that you're good friends, but they are struggling right now because Danielle's taken a lot of their policy positions away and, and they don't really have uh, a lot of momentum in the public right now. And certain individuals in that party are spending their time attacking both the premier, myself, you, people all over the place because they're trying to gain relevance. And 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 my question to your listeners and to you is not not to you because I know what you think about this already, but my question is who benefits from them attacking the people who are standing up for us? Who benefits I'll tell you who benefits from that. Only them. The people of Alberta don't benefit because dividing us more than we already are only helps the NDP. Uh, you and I obviously don't benefit because now people are accusing us of things. A lot of like a new brand new building. Like, come on. Like, I, I love the whistle stop and I know many people do, but it's not a brand new building, right? <laughs> no, it hasn't been a brand new building since 1967. Exactly. Or, you know, recently uh, I was informed that Justin Trudeau was paying me to support uh, Danielle Smith. And I mean, my answer to that is I would love to see that, like where that money is, because uh, right now I'm spending a lot of my own money to keep this movement going as much as I can. So I don't know. I'd love your thoughts. Why do you think these people are so obsessed with getting attention instead of helping push Alberta forward? Well, I think there's some people who are obsessed with getting attention, but I also think there's some people who are, they are uh, very aware of what our real enemy is. And our real enemy is not, you know, in, it doesn't exist within our provincial politics. Yes, the NDP is horrible. They are destroyers of provinces. They have terrible policy. They do not care about the people. They only want to implement their uh, failed ide ideologies uh, to the detriment of the province. 
but what's 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 out there that's coming for us on a global scale from organizations that we don't hold accountable that we don't elect um they they literally want to they want to take away our way of life the things that make us human are the things that they call unsustainable and there are some people who are so aware of that that it just infuriates them when when people around them won't stand up and scream it from the rooftops and you know i find i in my opinion what's happened to our province and our country and actually all over the world i spent some time in europe and the netherlands and it's no different there this isn't the government's fault this is not the government's fault what's happened over the last 30 40 years um these outside globalist organizations and influencers have they've crept into our society and they've become that three or three and a half percent of noisy people who can change the direction of the society to to whatever benefits them and i mean we see policies that benefit billionaires and globalists all the time they're to the detriment of us their wealth transfers plain as day from us to them um, but these policies come in and it's not because the government thinks these are good policies it's because the government thinks that that's what will get them elected because these groups have done such a good job of being the squeaky wheel of being that 3.5 percent that the pollsters and the government and the data sets suggest that if we campaign on net zero or we campaign on these um globalist ideas that will win government and that's not the government's fault because they're doing what government does i said this about jason kenny at the end i kind of i felt bad for him i was like you know you don't you don't tell a dog he's bad for being a dog you understand that he's a dog and you treat him as such and our politicians are politicians they want to get in front of the polls so we treat them as such we get out and we get in front of them and we give them the courage and the uh the uh the the, the mandate to campaign on the things we want but we haven't yeah. done it. and yeah. outside influences have done it and that's where we're, that's where we are right now and that's why we're we're wading through this mess of lies that's directing policy going forth because people haven't gotten involved and spoken about it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. That's a really, really good point, Chris. And, and I couldn't agree more. I think there's a lot of people who see exactly what the problem is. I think um, my, my fear though, this is something that really bothers me is people will become so obsessed with the big picture, everything that's happening, like you just said, all around the world that they will become paralyzed by fear, right? They'll say, well, everybody's, the enemy, this is inevitable. The big bad guys can't be beat because they're so powerful. And I don't believe that. I, I, I do not believe that these people are nearly as, they're powerful in the sense that they currently have the levers of power. But I think, and I think we've shown this in Alberta, if people, regular people are willing to stand up and say no, they don't have the power they think they do. And I think the honestly, I think the convoy is the best example of of how that occurred right the, the people in the convoy most of the people in the convoy they weren't political they didn't they didn't have uh, a lot of uh, education or even practice in the political world but they knew something had to be done and they stood up and that changed everything i mean i recently had someone on my podcast from the new zealand who talked about their own trucker convoy that was 100 inspired by the canadian convoy and that and now their prime minister, who is in some ways worse than Justin Trudeau, imagine that, like New Zealand was really bad, but uh, worse than Justin Trudeau, she just resigned uh, two days ago, two or three days ago. So I think I think you're right. But but what I want to say to those people who are so worried about the, the fight that we're actually fighting, like you said, is you can change what's happening you, you, in, in, in small little ways every day. But you know Tim Hoven. I know Tim Hoven. He could have given up after they disqualified him. He could have given up after we won the leadership race and he didn't get his nomination opened up right away. He could have given up uh, after the AGM when the new board was elected and they still haven't yet overturned his nomination. What did he do instead? He kept going. And now they've taken over Jason Nixon's board in Rimby Rocky Mountain House Sundry. And that board, I'm sure will request that the nomination be reopened. So I think that the problem is a lot of people 
get paralyzed by a fear of the great evil world economic form, whatever we want to call it. It doesn't matter. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. I I don't I don't think they're nearly as powerful as people think. I or, or I think they're powerful, but I don't think they can't be beat. They're not nearly as unstoppable as as we make it out to be. Well, here's here's what I'll say about that. Um, for us for us as individuals, we should absolutely be terrified of them, because it, it, individual thought, individual uh, self determination is not a sustainable. It's not sustainable under the new world. So as individuals, yes, we should be terrified. However, um, as we have shown in Alberta, we are stronger together. And if we're together against these things, that that fear should completely subside. Like we, th those groups only have power over us that we allow them to have. Our government only has power over us that we allow them to have. That's the beautiful part of democracy. And that's what we've lost. Like, and I'm just going to take a moment. I want to acknowledge there's been some people that they've, they've asked some questions and made some comments about different political, political parties. Uh, some have said, well, what about Daniel Smith doing this and doing that? What about the Independence Party? And those are all great questions. But for this uh, for this episode, I'm I'm trying to focus on something completely different here. And I'm going to work on maybe even getting the premier on here to answer some of these questions. Um, but for now, uh, what, what I'm trying to get across to people is that we, we all do have the same goal in mind, and that is to be free and prosperous and basically be left alone. Um, there are different ways to do it. And there's a lot of different groups. I mean, there's probably a dozen I could name just off the top of my head that have an idea of how to get there. But it's time that we all started finding some common ground where we can at least agree on these certain points. Why don't we even just agree on, hey, would we all like to live as free human beings? That's a great start. And then and then move on. So uh, it's not that I don't want to answer your questions or that they're not great questions. It, it's just I want to keep this uh, on on topic as best I can, which I never do. So, <laughs> Well, and going to that to that point, I'm not sure I entirely agree with the that everybody wants that. I do believe that there are a number of people, whether they're in the freedom movement or otherwise, that love getting attention. Right? They they love being the center of attention. They love being on the on the stage. They love talking. I'll I'll be really brutally honest. I've experienced the how addictive that can be. Right. Uh, having people come up to you and thank you, being a leader, being, you know, someone who who is driving something forward. I get it. And, and in fact, throughout human history, we have a name for it. It's called getting a big head. Right. And, and I got one. I, I'll, I'll admit it 100 uh, percent over the course of, of the first part of Take Back Alberta, because it's very hard to have that many people coming out to see you every night and not uh, lose a little bit of your get a little bit of an ego. Right. And I think that there are people right now who got quite big egos uh, over the course of COVID. Uh, and now people are lo losing interest in them, not paying as much attention to them. And that's very painful. Uh, and I think that there are people that are actively accusing people like you and I, who are out here doing things still, uh, of being something we're not because they're trying to bring the attention back to themselves. So, so I do believe that's happening. But I think you're you're by and large right. Almost everybody who's watching this or is talking to us about these things wants the same things we do. I, I get what you're saying about the you know kind of having a little bit of an inflated ego because that that was I've never been in front of crowds. I never talked in front of crowds. Nobody knows my name, and it was it was cool to have people constantly coming up to me and thanking me for doing something. And, and I'm like, all I'm doing is just existing. Right. Um, but what grounded me was this crushing realization that all of these people, they have some hope for their futures and there is nothing that any of us can do as individuals without everyone else around us that is going to make the world a better place for those folks. Right. So you hear all these, you hear all, the, it's, it's all fun and, you know, ego building until you realize 
that the reason that's happening is because people really want change and they expect you to do something to implement or start some sort of a change. And that's very humbling because none of us can do that alone, right? Nobody can. And it becomes a, it's, it's a, it's a total team effort. So the, the whole ego thing quickly subsides as long as you're, it's for the right purposes and you know what the goal is, it subsides into this feeling of complete inadequacy and dependence on, on those around you to help you achieve the goal. At least that's yeah, kind of yeah. for me. I, I, I appreciate, I, I'm, I've been working on it a lot after, after last uh, summer or kind of going into the summer when I first stepped back from take back Alberta a little while for a little while to try to just figure out what had happened to me, because you're totally right. It, it does end up being a realization that there is no I, there's only we. And uh, and that we, the we that you and I are talking about, are literally just the pro-humans. We're just the people who want humans to still be allowed to be human. And I, I think that could be a uniting thing, right? It's just like the pro-humans and the anti-humans, the people who want to make uh, dying easier, who want to make abortion easier, who want to take away our, our, our sovereignty over our own land and our own bodies, those are the enemy. And the people who want us to take more responsibility and to, you know, suffer for others, because that's a big part of being human that we don't talk about. Uh, like, for example, being a parent, there's a lot of suffering that goes into being a parent, but I know most parents I talk to say it's worth it. Um, those are the people that are on side with us. But when we when we boil it down to, for example, for example, every single nurse in this province works for AHS. Are all nurses uh, captured by the evil of AHS? I don't think so. I know a lot of good nurses, mm -hmm. right? But are all nurses pro-human? No, no. Some nurses really don't like humanity, and they and they actually buy into that ideology. And I think that's a good way of measuring: is someone on side or not? Do they love their fellow man or not? That became really crystal clear in the last few days. Um, and I like what you said there. I've been describing it as that as well. It's not left or right or, you know, black or white or anything. It's human or anti-human. Do you believe in the sanctity of life or do you not believe in the sanctity of life? And it, it seriously, it hit me like a ton of bricks after I got hit with, with a train. Um, the people that are opposed to the ideas of freedom, they hate the truckers. They hate the convoy. You honk a horn, they get PTSD. Um, they believe that we should still be wearing masks and have restaurants closed. Just use skip the dishes. Don't interact as humans. They say things and have said things. Now, before I say this, I want to I want to say um, since Carrie and I had our little accident there, we have had a tremendous outpouring of concern and prayers and and well wishes and stuff like that. So it is overwhelmingly apparent that. Uh, the 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 pro life uh, not pro life but sanctity of life and and human people far outnumber the the anti humans but then i get a i get a a notification somebody posts something like i was so excited when i heard about this accident because there was going to be another dead free dumber but i was so disappointed because this pos was still alive better luck next time train and it really made me think first of all some of these people are just wordsmiths i mean they're <laughs> they should be writing poetry but even more important than that they really don't appreciate human life they don't believe it's sacred they don't believe that my life matters simply because they disagree with me on other things my friend nadine same thing i had this uh intellectually diminishing Converse, WhatsApp conversation with her over the last few days. And I said to her at one point, I said, aren't you glad at least that I didn't die? And she's like, no. Why would I be glad about that? You're a POS. It would have been better for everyone if you're dead. And no. I thought, aha. That's where we differ. That's where the line is. We're, we either believe in human life or we don't. Yeah. So they really yeah. have no problem showing their 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 cards too, you know? Well, and, and like, uh, we have to be similar on this side. Like there's, I don't know, 
on the freedom movement side, I've seen a lot of people passing around. Oh, this person died suddenly. Shouldn't have got jabbed, right? Like we shouldn't yeah. be happy that people are suffering because they were coerced into something. Now, I understand there's people who've died that were pushing it and saying horrible things about us. But even those people, we shouldn't be happy they died. Like, right. This is that's that is anti-human, right? Is, is that's a it's it's a tricky, it's a really difficult, it's a tightrope. Because on one hand, you want to be saying, like, look at we said this was gonna happen, and now it's happening. This is what's happening. On the other hand, somebody has just died, and it's not the time to be saying, I told you so. But is it the time to be saying I told you so? Because more people are going to die. Yeah. Right? It's uh it is yeah, really it's hard. hard. I agree. I think it has to be, hey, like we we could we could say, hey, look, the vaccine, come on, guys. But and we can use it as an opportunity to remind people. I don't think that's a problem, but I do think it's a problem to say, haha, deserved it, or glad to see them go, or karma's a bitch, you know. We shouldn't be doing that. I don't think personally. That's a good point. And, and I will say this. I have in my own self been happy to see those things happen. Right. And said, oh, that's the anti-human in me. Right. Because we act like this war that's happening is somehow us versus them. No, no. It's that is the line that goes down the heart of every man. Right. The people that are anti-human, they hate themselves because the, they've embraced that in themselves but like nobody listening to this can tell me that they've never hated another person and pretty much everybody has experienced hatred for another person that's you that's the dark that's that's the evil inside of you i wow. i use this i use this a lot in take back alberta meetings but there's this old first nations parable that i love and it says uh, it's uh this elder is telling a bunch of students a story and he says inside you is a black wolf and a white wolf. The black wolf is greed, envy, anger, hatred, malice. And the white wolf is honor, peace, integrity, discipline, uh, kindness, wisdom. And, uh, and one of the students asks, which one wins? And the elder says, the one you feed. And I think in the freedom movement, we could be dismantled and destroyed if we keep feeding the hate and anger and fear and that's happening a lot we need to remember why we want freedom which is we want it for everybody not just for ourselves i've heard that parable before but uh you know i i have forgotten that it applies to me as well so thank thanks for bringing that up um I think what I would suggest if somebody dies suddenly, <clears throat> whether they're for or against freedom or whatever, what we should be saying is like, we're really sorry that this person died like this. He, he or she was important. That person was important and their life mattered. And we want to know why they died. Right. Right. That's the key. Their life was important and we want to know the truth about why they died so that there could be some closure or prevention. One of the two. Um, it doesn't have to be, I told you so. It doesn't have to be, you know, gotcha, karma's a bitch type thing. It could simply be that was a human being and they're gone now and we need answers, period. Yeah. And I would love to see that from our government. I hope we start seeing that from our government because it's a, that's a, it's a minefield trying to walk through all this politically i've seen it and as soon as someone says anything they're attacked relentlessly from oftentimes both sides but at the end of the day it's important to remember that there are people's lives literally on the line now and in the future and uh we need we need some truth for sure well it's interesting right because uh there has been this panel with preston manning heading it up appointed to, to review alberta's covid stuff i saw that and yeah and everybody's all mad that Preston Manning's being paid to do it. And it's like, how many people would out there would do work for free? Well, some of us, you and I tend to seem be running around doing it basically for free at this point. But most people aren't going to invest 
every moment of their day in a, in a job unless they're being compensated. Well, most people can't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I don't understand why we don't want to pay someone well to do this right. Now, I've heard criticisms of why Preston Manning and not someone like Gary Davidson. Gary Davidson's an awesome doctor who stood up for us from the beginning. I'm a big fan of what he did in, in that realm. However, we don't make those decisions, right? We, 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 don't, we don't get to decide. We don't even know how those decisions are being made, right? So we can sit there and say, we can criticize, but I, I think we should have a little bit more grace because this is the only province in the country setting up anything like this. And we've never done this before. This is new territory for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, I guess we did this after World War II, but that was a different time. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot less uh, information too, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. So. So I want to, I want to make a little like a, uh, little information here from you so you've been attacked by all sides all throughout this right people have said all kinds of things about you let's let's share a little bit what that means what it feels like to be like to be working so hard to be in your case you know you stood up when almost no one would including me i, I wasn't standing up at that time i was criticizing but i wasn't you know taking my, the same level of stand as i did later i i know for me it can become very upsetting and i'm getting better at it but it's like if you're going to accuse me of being a globalist who won't you accuse right like who's not and yet somehow we have to push forward because the values the pro-human values that we're pushing are more important than our emotions because people are misunderstanding us or not appreciating the work we're putting in Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Yeah, well, it's. Um, I suppose when people say those things, there's a lot of different reasons they do it. Some people are just genuinely upset that I got something they didn't, or they perceive that I got something they didn't. Like people, there's some folks out there that still believe that I just people donated so much money that I haven't had to work, and everything I buy is from donations and blah blah blah, and I haven't lost anything but the the reality is quite the opposite yeah people helped me get past the hurdle with ahs and the property and the landlord and those that type of thing but since then i mean people will come in and they'll throw you know they'll throw 50 bucks in the tip jar or whatever here and there but this is extremely expensive and i've taken so much time off to drive around speaking here speaking there you know, driving that stupid five mile to the gallon truck just because I want people to see that something's going on. Um, it's expensive. It's exhausting. And for to the people who spend their time bashing me for it and trying to tear me down because I'm trying to do something, I actually feel bad for them. I feel I pity them because I think those people think these things about me because they have no concept that somebody could do anything that's for something other than themselves. And it's because they, they wouldn't do that. Like they wouldn't do any kind of service for other people because it's just not in their, it's not in their uh, uh, realm of understanding. So it's impossible for them to understand that somebody else could do it as well. So I, I pity those people. There are some that say stuff about my family or my kids or whatever. And, you know, I, I actually want to say, come and I have said, come say that to my face. Nobody ever does. But I, you know, I, I have, I feel like I want to do things that a God-fearing man shouldn't do. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I suppose that's feeding the, uh, feeding the, uh, the bad wolf, but. It's, it's yeah. interesting that you said that. That's a really good insight on um, people not being able to imagine it because they would never do it themselves. I always thought, the thing that I always heard at so many meetings is, Someone must have bought Kenny off. They must have given him money to do these things. I don't and think I, so. And I, and I thought that says more about you than it does about Jason Kenny, because for you, what what would for what would make someone do something is money. Money, because yep. that's what makes them do something, right? I thought, and that's a very good insight on. Yeah, people can't imagine it because they wouldn't do it themselves. 
Yep, I thought that about Kenny at first too, until I took some time and I thought about it a little bit harder and I thought a little farther ahead. And what it boils down to is um, for a politician, they will do what they think is going to keep them as a politician. If they think a certain policy will get them reelected, that's what they'll do. We have a critical lack of leadership in politics of all levels where people, they are afraid to be leaders. A leader isn't someone that gets in front of a poll. A leader is somebody who says, things are going to be better over here and we can be a better society if you go over here. And they explain to the, to the group um, how to get there and why they're going there. And then they go. And if people follow them, then they're leaders and they deserve to govern. We don't have that these days. We have people who look at the polls. And we're starting to see a little bit of leadership come back into politics where politicians are doing things that are against the status quo and they're being real leaders. And uh, like you said, now they're facing attacks from both sides for doing it, right? So we, we have to be really diligent in identifying the people who are being leaders and the ones that are trying to get in front of polls. If a politician's doing something and it seems like they're crazy. Why would they do that? Yeah, I know it's the right thing, but why would they do that? It's not going to do well for them politically. Support them because they're doing it for the right reasons. Well, yeah, I often say if you want to find out who the good people are, look at who's being attacked. Generally yeah. speaking, like by the media. Let's take let's take the premier currently, whether people like her or not. She is being relentlessly attacked by the mainstream media. Relentlessly. Why do people think that's happening? Right. It's it's not it's not because she's doing things that are with the status quo and are getting in front of the polls. The media very rarely actually in the beginning, the media kind of was hanging Kenny out to dry a little bit. But as time went on, they really came around and were supporting him. And and, you know, they were hanging guys like me out to dry and calling me rebels and scofflaws and, you know, telling writing in the newspaper that I was harming Alberta, those kind of things. Um, and what we're seeing now that, yeah, the media, they're just going crazy. It's like they're frothing at the mouth. And so is the, the opposition party. Oh. oh my goodness. I can't even <laughs> believe what I'm seeing. It's like, they're so furious that they're almost tripping over their own words. I went to a, 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 a protest at the legislature that, uh, the, the ATF and Gil McGowan set up and I, 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 I stood there in disbelief listening to what they were saying it was just the most incoherent spewing of verbal diarrhea that you've ever heard in your life completely baseless not factual at all and people are eating it up because they're also frothing at the mouth because they're so angry people don't get angry like that when someone isn't doing the right thing <laughs> at least well, especially unions and mainstream media right yeah yeah and i think it's interesting because i think a big reason that they're so angry is they they knew that if Kenny stayed in, they were going to win. And so they basically have this laid out. They're like, we're going to win. Jason Kenny's going to hold on because many things can be said about Jason Kenny, but the, he's not a quitter. And he's not any, any, and he doesn't give, he doesn't back down without a fight. And he didn't. And uh, they were right. But, I, but they were, their, their whole plan was based on him driving the conservative movement into the ground, splitting the right, and they were going to walk up the middle again. And that was taken away from them. And I, I think it's it's quite angered them. I, I think it's made them very angry that as much as you and I are talking about there being a division in the right and, and the freedom movement, that's which is all true. Your regular voters, they have mostly come back to the UCP. And whether people like that or not, it means we have a chance against the NDP. Yeah, Alberta's only ever elected an NDP government once. And they did it by accident. And they did it because they were pissed off, right? That's why they did it. Um, I had, and I've said this publicly many times, I had completely given up hope in the UCP at one point because, you know, it was a very structured, or pardon me, it was a very deliberately structured machine to keep certain powers in place, certain people in place. And I honestly didn't think that could be dealt with. Now, we've seen some what I would call mir miraculous changes because enough people showed up and they changed some things. And I've realized that the whole thing I was talking about in the beginning where, you know, enough people need to, to show up and you need to use your voice. 
people did that and we made some changes. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Is there some stuff that I want to have some really difficult conversations with some of the MLAs about? Definitely. But we have to be willing to at least acknowledge that we are making steps in the right direction. If we can't do that, then we're really no better than the other side who froths at the mouth when over every single statement that comes out, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, yeah, Chris, someone, I have says, to... someone says, my time isn't up. I got a job to finish and a lot of people behind, behind me to help me. And a lot of people praying for me. And uh, that came to fruition when I didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know very many people who've been hit by a train and survived. So <laughs> yeah, I agree. Either. I think uh, I think you have a, a very big part to play in all this. And I even said that to you at, when we were off screen before this started. Um, I really do believe that, that that is all the evidence you could possibly need, that there's a reason you're still here. Probably because I haven't hadn't posted the next week's specials. <laughs> I'll just post them the day before. <laughs> so. uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time, David. Uh, um, I'm glad you could clear up some of that stuff. And I hope that people, regardless of whether they agree with you or align with you politically or, or whatever, I hope that at the very least, they can take the time to think about some of the things that others say and the reasons why they're saying them. And maybe look at the big picture. Because if we can't do that, uh, and we continue to spend all of our time infighting and tearing each other apart. We're going to have a pretty, a pretty train wreck of a May election, I would say. So. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, hey, look, I'm not a perfect person. As I said earlier, I'm a pretty disagreeable person. I can often be quite rude to people. Uh, and that's I'm working on that. I'm trying to become better. And I'm sure I, I know some of the people that are saying these things about me. I, I have been rude to them. I've I've been dismissive of them. And, and I'd like to apologize to those people and, and say, I'm, I'm sorry for uh, for that. It's not right. But I do believe that being dishonest about people is always the wrong way. And we uh, we need to be very careful the, the whose water we're carrying. Right. Because like you said, if, if we're divided, we're going to fall. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. And we certainly have something worth fighting for. And if you have uh, doubts about that, all you got to do is uh, just look outside your window this spring when the kids are outside playing. And and I, I, I would argue that we should probably leave them something better than we got. And now's the time to get involved to do that. So, Well, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. And uh, I guess we'll probably talk again soon. And thank you, everybody, for all of you that had questions about certain political parties uh, don't fret i'm gonna make it my mission to get in front of some of these people and ask them these questions because what do i say if you want to know the answer you go right to the source you don't do this on the internet about it so that's what i'll be trying to do and uh i'm sure david will be watching very patiently from the sidelines and, and helping to answer some of that stuff so thanks again thanks everyone night everybody Impressive.